This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Tara Carter from New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 30th, episode 1706. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. Only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as the life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're back from vacation, back to live shows, back to normal here on Horses in the Morning for a while. And we're so excited because we're coming back to our Western episode. Now, normally the Western episode, as you probably know, is on the fourth Tuesday of every month. Well, we were on vacation, so we just bumped it back to the fifth Tuesday this month. And we are doubly excited because we have our brand new host who is joining us. I worked with her at Road to the Horse. We spent a lot of time together at Road to the Horse, got to know her pretty well, and we love having her on board now as the co-host for the Western episode, Tara Carter. Hi, Tara. Hi, Glenn. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for joining us. And Tara made me mad already this morning. You know, we had our Mm pre-show meeting, and I sent her all the equipment, so she sounds wonderful. And... (laughs) She is the only one of our hosts, including us, that has fiber cable for her internet. Now, you live in New Mexico in the middle of nowhere. How did you get fiber? (laughs) I know, right? Uh, I can't tell you, but one of the great things about small towns is, you know, people do, like, different companies, they do some some things that you don't expect because it's a small town, but they work really hard and get some really quality, quality things, so I... I can't tell you why, but we the company out here does fiber optics, and it's pretty awesome. Oh, my God. You have like a million down and a million up. It's, yeah. <laughs> you could each watch a video on 12 different screens and it not stutter. Yeah. yeah. We kinda, well, we do a lot of video for, for what we do for our business, so we needed good fiber optic, and it worked out really well that we got to do it out here all the way at the barn. So Trevor, Trevor can listen to to podcasts and watch videos from the arena, and it's pretty cool. I'm mad at you. I'm still mad at you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not trying to brag. It's just kind of neat. No, you can brag because the rest of us are just jealous. (laughs) And and I I can honestly say we have 30-some hosts now. You're the only one with fiber, that's for sure. Oh, wow. And you're probably the most rural of us all. 
well, you know, New, Me- New Mexico is the land of enchantment, so. <laughs> there you go. Apparently, it applies to the internet, too. <laughs> well, we, we're going to get to know Tara a little bit better as we go along. Tara and I did work together. She was the co-host for Road to the Horse. So, for some of you who are going, I recognize that voice. That's why. We spent uh, eight hours live at Road to the Horse <laughs> this year together, stuck in a in a glass booth um, and had a great time. And that was one of the impetuses for having her back as the Western host. So thank you so much for, for agreeing to do this. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, let's find out from Jennifer what is coming up on today's show and then we'll chat a little more. Coming up on today's Western Tuesday with horseware episode, Lynn Ann Highwood from Wildflower Ranch is going to explain what mohair is and why it makes great cinches. And then next up, Jill Stanford, our cowgirl in the kitchen, going to satisfy our sweet tooth with a fudge recipe. Yahoo! And Letitia Glenn from Natural Horseman Saddles is going to talk about saddle making and saddle fit. So stay tuned for the free, folks. All right, very good. And we are going to do our daily winnies. Well, my daily Winnie is one of these. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, it's a happy birthday to Bill Officer, who is the husband to Denise, who is our guest wrangler, who booked a couple of the guests here today. And it's his birthday today. He's a big bike rider. He does long distance bike riding, like actual the pedal bike riding. And he'll do like 100, 200, 500 mile races and stuff. Uh, so, uh, and he's my age, so I admire him for being, up, being doing that. And he picked it up like when he was 52. He had never ridden bike before and just started riding and got hooked on it and now is uh, is in much better shape than I, I will ever be. And uh, he just loves it. So good for him and happy birthday. Also, a big congrats to one of our terrific auditors, Lindsay Helmuth, now Pierce, because her wedding was last week and she posted all kinds of pictures on the auditor page and it was absolutely beautiful. She had her horse involved, but she was smart enough to not ride the horse at any point during her wedding. It was just there looking pretty. So we've been advising against that, Tara, for about six years now because... Oh, really? Oh, we've covered more wedding going wrong stories where horses were involved. (laughs) (laughs) We we get at least 10 of those a year where, you know, the bride gets dumped and, you know, or the horse crashes through the entire place or, you know, whatever. But it just never seems to go right. So we, we, (laughs) we advise against it here on the show. Did you have horses involved in your wedding? We, well, kind of, and I, I can say we could add to that, that category actually. And it Uh wasn't us that had the horses involved. So, but would you like to hear about it? Yes, I do. Now you started that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we had, when Trevor and I got married, we went, we were married in Santa Fe and we basically had a week where all of our friends came together and we did some really fun stuff and we did hot air balloon rides. We had a golf tournament and. And one of the things that we did that you don't have it anymore in, in Santa Fe, but you could take the train from Santa, Ma- Santa Fe to Lamy. And so like all our friends got on one of the old trains and they had like an open car. And anyway, we just had a great time, but we planned to have some uh, stagecoach robbers come and rob the train. And so they came horseback and came off the, came running down on the train and jumped off their horses onto the train and, 
anyway, it got a little hairy at one point, but everyone was okay. So it was it was real Western. <laughs> <laughs> That's as Western as it gets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> did the horses so, hang around, or did they uh, just take off after they jumped off know, of them? Well, they have like you know, it's a it's some guys that do this professionally. Oh, okay. uh, professional. I just thought you had some of your friends rob the train. Cars. I think my horse would be gone. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, for sure. No, they they had done this before. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. So I've often wondered about that as they jumped off their horses to rob the train, and I, you know, the my horse. What's the guarantee the horse is going to hang around for your getaway? You know, yeah. I've often wondered about that. Well, uh, all right, your turn for a daily winning. Okay, well, my daily Winnie, I'm going to do this one for my mom because my mom is watching the kids so that I can come here and do this show. So huge shout out to my mom, Cindy, because she helps in so many ways. We've got we've got 12 people here for our branding this week. And then, you know, Trevor's riding horses at sunup and uh, she's agreed to watch the kids while I came in here. So a huge shout out to my mom because she helps us a ton. She does. She was the one that really, uh, the, she was the only reason that you could co-host that Road to the Horse. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because she was there taking care of the little one. You had, what was, your little one was four months old? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> there was no way Tara was coming <laughs> yeah. to Road to the Horse without Mom along, and that was a great, great help. It really was. Yes. So we appreciate her. Let's find out a little bit more. We have a couple minutes here before our first guest uh, about you and Trevor. What What kind of farm? What do you do? So we... We raise horses and we raise cattle and we teach people how to train their horses and train their horses using cattle. <laughs> so actually, so that's, real work. Yeah, real work. Yeah. Real, 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 real purposeful work. So, And it is Carter Ranch uh, Horses, which I assume is where that name came from because you guys are doing that. Yes. Yeah. Carter Ranch Horse. And um, we started that because there was a company that I was thinking about working for out of college and one of the things that they did is it was a real estate company and it was home versus homes. And they said, we do home because it's, you know, one home, one family at a time. And so we said, we're going to do horse instead of horses because we really want to try to help people and their horse or a person and their horse get really successful results. So we tried to to say that, but, but we raise plenty of horses. Every time somebody says, how many do you have? It's like, oh, do we really have to answer? <laughs> We keep so. asking Mary Kitzmiller how many animals she has, and she refuses to answer. She, yeah. <laughs> she just won't say. Self-incriminating, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really because she has no idea, and I thought that was yeah. probably the same way with you. We really have no idea. We know. It just changes so often, you know? So when others come out, new ones come in, and so. Now, but, do you have the cattle, or do you work at a ranch that has cattle? We have the cattle. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Yes. And it's not a huge operation. Like we're not a big commercial beef operation. We just, because out here the grass is very different. So it's really, it's really rich grass, but it's really sparse in between. Like when we use our drone and you, you go up, it looks really green, but when you get the drone up high, like you can see all the dirt in between the grass. So it's very different. So you have to have far more acreage around here to raise cattle than you do, you know, like in central so Texas. Are you kind of deserty where you are in New Mexico? High plains, high desert. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. New Mexico? Well, I was actually born and raised here and just really like it here. And I heard they had fiber optics, so I said, Trevor, we should. 
jerk. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. Have you been to New Mexico? No, we have not been to New Mexico yet. It's on our list of things that we need to see. I would be happy to show you around. It's, It's one of the most beautiful states, in my opinion. So did did Trevor was he was he Oklahoma Texas where did he grow up? Trevor was born in Hereford Texas, so that's not too far from here, maybe about thirty miles. Um, and then he his family moved to South Texas, Westlaco, down by Brownsville, basically, <clears throat> excuse me, right on the border. And then grew up there, and then he went to school in West Texas at Sol Ross, and then you know we met after that. So did you meet at college? We didn't. We we were both apprentices for Pat Pirelli at the same time, so we met after college. Oh, okay, cool. And you went to where? I went to Baylor. Ah, Baylor girl. And did you go for, what'd you go for? Business, marketing, and real estate. Oh, really? Is that why mm-hmm. you ended up in real estate for a little while, or did you end up in real no, estate? No, I, I, I didn't end up in real estate. Like, I, you know, started looking at jobs in that, in that area, but... It was it was horses that I really wanted to do, and when I figured that I could find a way to to do what I love as a living, then that's what I pursued. So, well, that's great, and and uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about you guys compete too, and, and a little later in the show, and we'll learn more about that. Jennifer's going to get to uh, trying to get our first guest on now, but I do want to okay. talk to you a little about that. Also. Jamie will be back tomorrow on the show, as usual, on Wednesday. She was at a competition over the weekend with her Mustang at an event, so we'll have to hear all about that. We'll talk a little bit about vacation tomorrow. We had a great time on our cruise, and I know we have a lot of a lot of our listeners that have signed up to come on the Horse Lovers Cruise in February, so we'll be looking forward to seeing them there, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll be doing a special 15-20 minute episode that we'll put at the end of uh, shows coming up. Our cruise director, Rhonda, who's also our legacy listener. Now, Rhonda Tara has listened to every episode of every show from day one. All 60, almost 300 episodes now. She's the only one that has listened to every episode of every show. That's uh, awesome. So she, we made it, we, and she also loves cruising, so we made her our cruise director for this. And she's going she's gonna to interview Jennifer and I about our cruise, and we're going to put that out because I know a lot of you are getting excited about uh, going on the Royal Caribbean cruise that we're doing here soon. Uh, now, you, uh, you also compete a little bit, so tell us about what you guys do competition-wise. We focus on uh, ranch horse versatility, rain cow horse, and cowboy dressage, which are kind of an odd combination. Yeah, but... that is an odd combination. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and probably in that order. So range horse versatility, uh, that's actually made up of several different events. And you have uh, raining, you have trail, you have ranch riding which is kind of like some people might be more familiar with horsemanship, you know, where you have a pattern. So it's somewhat similar to that. Um, And then you have uh, cutting or boxing. So cutting is like you, you know, where you take a cow and you sort it out and you have to hold it from the herd. So then you have uh, cow working and that's where you go in the arena and you take it and you, you work it on the fence and then you take it down the fence and turn it. And then you either rope it or figure of eight it depending on your, your skill level or your division level. Uh, and then you do confirmation. So you judge the horse's appearance after you've shown their ability to do all of those things. So, 
So it's sort of like a venting kicked up. You you do a number of different things. Do you? Is it the same horse, same rider? Same horse, same rider. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And you can show multiple horses, or you know, one right. horse, one one ride, two riders can show one horse. So like sometimes Trevor, he's showing a horse, and then one of his students will come in and show their horse in their division. So. Got so it. It can and be a play. Is it? Is it all done in one day? Um. Sometimes, yes, but it usually goes over the 24-hour mark. <laughs> um, but but usually they, they'll either do it in one day or they'll split it up over two or three days. Okay. But you'll I'm, do like a couple events one day, a couple events the next day. So your horse really has to be an all-around horse. That's right. That's what's, right. what's the toughest of those for you? For me? Yeah, personally. Um... Oh. You know, if I ask an inventor what they, it's their toughest, they're always going to say dressage because <laughs> they don't like dressage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm asking you, is there one that you're mentally going, oh, I just, I tune out at well, that one. No, I, I, it's really hard for me to say because I genuinely love them all. You know, even the stuff that you, it's hard for you. I love it because it makes your horsemanship better. So a lot of people don't like, at least from, they don't like the reining as much because it's not well, kind of like no the dressage of- <laughs> and there's yeah and there's no there's no cows You're right but i mean it's so important for for the maneuverability of your horse so like you you know you love to hate it or hate to love it or i'm not sure which one yeah. it is but so but for me it's probably um I, I can't pick one. Well, okay. I could tell you actually it's confirmation <laughs> because you just, you just walk in and you stand there with your horse. So yeah. probably my least favorite, but no, there's it's not an important. Much, yeah, yeah. You really don't have any control. You're just standing there with your horse. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is what it is, right? That's right. Well, so that's then, probably my least. So is that something that's been around forever or is this fairly new that, that combination of disciplines into the ranch horse. I would have to find out sort of how long, but in, in my mind, it's, it is, it's been around forever, you okay. know, like ranch horses right. are, you know, it's basically, maybe they just put a name on it. Right. Uh, Cause a lot of times when you'd go to a horse show, you know, you'd have several different events and you would take that horse to town. And that's kind of what, you know, Trevor and I, when we said Carter ranch horse, like we're trying to help people to ride a horse that, that is an all-around horse, that they do a real job at, at the ranch at home. And then when you take them to town, your horsemanship is is solid enough that your horse can actually, you know, you can show what you can do and you can be judged and score well. So it's kind of been around forever, but now maybe they're just grouping it you know, in a specific way and recognize. Oh, that fancy connection, and I think we just lost Tara. So let me just... <laughs> All that talk about fiber optics, and uh, Tara has disappeared on us. <laughs> Are you back? <laughs> I'm back. I don't know what happened. All that talk about fancy fiber optics, fiber and then you went away. No. <laughs> <laughs> that figures. <laughs> well, the, uh, um, that is interesting. I have never seen a ranch horse competition. I would love to sometime. You're going to have to come to New Mexico and see your ranch horse competition. Now I got this whole list of things I need to do. That's right. for sure. Building your itinerary. Now you also have three kids, right? What are their ages? Uh, William will be five in June. Uh, and then Philip will be three the very next month. And then Vivian will be one two days later. So, <laughs> got it. 
Five, it. three, and one. I got to meet Vivian, too, at Road to the Horse. Uh, and, uh, you know, she wasn't doing much except hanging around at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah. At a few months old. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to, fun to meet her, too. All right. We have our first guest on the line. This is a guest that comes every month. We, we have somebody from Old Cowgirls Never, Never Die. We keep on riding. It's a Facebook group that we got to know a few months ago, and they have a lot of terrific members, uh, a whole bunch of members over there. And we like to highlight one of their members every month. And today we have Lynn Ann, who is the owner of Wildflower Ranch. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, you, I'm supposed, I got a note here that I need to ask you where you're at. (laughs) I am sitting under my tree watching my horses and my donkey. Okay. So you're out. And uh, enjoying my morning. Well, terrific. Well, now, tell us about Wildflower Ranch. Where is Wildflower Ranch? I am in Pear Blossom, California. And what I do is I make uh, mohair cinches and dress collars. Cool. Now, um, so for for our English listeners, of which we have a lot, uh, kind of explain why a mohair cinch is a good thing and, you know, why is it different than using any other cinch? Well, mohair is a natural, you know, fiber from the Angora goat. And it absorbs and releases the moisture from the horse. So you don't get a sweaty, you know, uh, irritation from the sweat that you would off of a a neoprene cinch. What do you use, Tara? We use mohair cinches. And uh, sometimes Trevor will use a a wool blend, but he uses mohair probably 99% of the time. For that reason that she just said? Yay. That's right. Yeah, natural fibers and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what makes a good mohair cinch and what makes a crappy mohair cinch? Well, <laughs> um, a lot of the cinches that claim to be mohair are a blend because that's okay to do. Um, there's, a, there's a legal labeling law that if it's more than 82%. It can be labeled mohair, um, and it's often a blend. The uh, the ones that are you know on the market in retail, and the other thing is, I think it's the the maker. I think there is a an experience and technique in the weave that makes a big difference. So how long have you been, I'm sorry, (laughs) how long have you been making cinches? About 10 years. Wow. It's, I feel like it's kind of becoming a little more popular these days. I see a lot of people saying, oh, I I make mohair cinches now. And I mean, there's some really beautiful work out there, but there's some of you guys who have been doing it for a while. And so that's, I'm just. I always made my own horses cinches. Oh, wow. Right. And then I made friends cinches and and then at one point I decided just to semi retire and make um mohair cinches. Now to look at them not having any experience I with mohair other- cinches, it looks to me like they would stretch. They don't. 
they so, don't stretch. A lot of people have that impression. Now, also, uh, did, so explain sizing to me, and I, um, Terry, you can jump in here too. So explain sizing to me how, how the sizing works on a cinch. Well, I mean, a lot of people have different ideas about sizing. I tend to, my personal cinches are a lot smaller, you know, size-wise, than a lot of people make them. Um, I will make them whatever size people want, but it it goes buckle end to buckle end, and that's how it's measured. Because it's different than an English saddle where you only have so much play. You guys have a little bit more play uh, with with the sizing, right, Tara? Because because of the nature of the beast. Well, and it's partly depends on what type of latigo you use. Like if you use a latigo or if you use a billet. So the and so latigo, you know, is the longer piece. And then some people use a, a billet on the offside, which is just kind of like a little folded over piece. So it. De- it depends right. what your latigo setup is, um, but yes, there is a little bit more play when it comes to a Western saddle. But you guys, but we don't have the elastic parts that you guys have, right? Yeah. Well, that's true too. Yeah. Do you are you finding or ha- uh, Jennifer wants to know what's the longest cinch that you've ever made? Now with draft horses kept becoming more popular. <laughs> <laughs> the longest cinch I've ever made is the thirty eight. Hmm. That's pretty long for That's a western. <laughs> yeah, it is. To and me, s- it was it was probably too long, but people have different ideas of placement. Yeah. What What's harder to make a long a long cinch or a short cinch? Uh, Does it matter? That's a good question. Well, honestly, I like making a longer cinch because I have more i I have more room for design. Yeah. Whereas in a shorter cinch, when you're trying to make a custom, really pretty design, you have less space. Yeah. And I, like, if you guys, if you, if you check out the wildfireranch.com, you can see the, the different designs. Like there's one with an arrow and a feather and what, how do you plan out your designs for that? Do you, do you do it in your head? Do you draw I it out? Do you paper. Okay. I, yeah. I do it in my head, but then I put it on graph paper to get an idea of how it's going to work. Cool. And now, I, Matchy Matchy is because becoming... I'm working on quarter-inch weave. And I know Matchy Matchy is becoming more more and more popular on English and Western side. <laughs> Everything has to match your... And the English side, your helmet cover has to match your saddle patch, which match your socks. I mean, everything has to match now, right? <laughs> so I assume you're getting more business because of right. that, right? I absolutely am. I'm getting more business because people like bling. (laughs) (laughs) They they like to have something that's really, you know, pretty and and stands out. And so absolutely, I think there is more business because of that. Are there there English mohair girths? Yes, I do do English. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I, I don't know that I've ever seen one. So that's why I asked. But I was going, why wouldn't there be? It's the same concept. Yeah. Right. Just depend- <laughs> yeah, that's right. That means more. I can get a crazy colored girth. Woo-hoo! Yes, you could. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it matches your shirt, Jennifer. That's well, right. you know it. <laughs> really. And your socks. 
And in, the, in Jennifer's case, after our cruise last week, it could match her hair. Um, she she, <laughs> hey, hey, she hey, got hey, her hey. hair braided on one of the islands last week, so it could match her hair, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, where do people find find your stuff? Well, I do a lot of work in my community. And then I also do work um, from the Internet. People find me online. I've sent cinches to Canada, to Hawaii, all over the country. And what's the website? And Canada. It is thewildflowerranch.com. And thewildflowerranch.com is where you can find it. I'm seeing pictures here of uh, all the different cinches you've made. I assume they can contact you through there? I'm sorry, what was that? I assume they can contact you to get one made through the website. There's I think, a I think we have a there's a shop, connection with her. There's a shop um, now button on her website. Yeah, and the shop now button works. I tried it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and her and then it's got her phone number on there. So I'm sure if you had questions that she could help you, you know, pick your colors, your sizing, etc. So if you didn't want a stock item. You know, it, I think we've lost her. I think we lost connection underneath the tree in her pasture. But the um, <laughs> <laughs> I, there was something else interesting on our website, and it was it, you know the the scarves that cowboys wear, and I guess they're called wild rags. Wild rags, and I never knew that. By the way, that's how English I am. So I never knew that. And she has a whole list of uh, that she got from a book that was written a long time ago of what the cowboys used the wild rags for. And I never knew all this stuff. She has this whole list on there. I'm going to keep it as a list to talk about someday because it it was something I did not know. That the, that the I just thought they were for decoration, but actually they had about a hundred different uses that the cowboys used them oh, for. Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that. I always thought they were just there for pretty. <clears throat> well, we're going to take a break for our title sponsor, and that's Horseware. We're coming back, and we're going to be talking recipes because we have jill back with us and today we're going to be talking a little bit about fudge this is going to make everybody hungry in just a minute another long tough fly season is right around the corner and the only choice for this fly season are the amigo range of fly sheets because they're built tough and feature the latest in design comfort bug busting technology and sun protecting fabrics and the Amigo range has a fly sheet for every budget. From the Amigo Bug Buster Vamoose with no fly zone to the Amigo Bug Rug Fly Sheet. Find Amigo Fly Sheets at your local or online retailer, or you can visit horseware.com. That's horseware, H-O-R-S-E-W-A-R-E.com. And, of course, you can find Horseware on Facebook as well. Just search for Horseware Ireland. You can find that on Facebook. Well, now every month we talk recipes, and we talk recipes with Jill Stanford, cowgirl in the kitchen. And she has written a number of different books on, on recipes. Uh, cowgirl in the kitchen is one of them. And uh, today she's on to give us a recipe, and we're going to be talking a little sweetness here today. Hi, Jill. 
Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Okay. I, you know, I am happy and sad you're on today because you're talking about, <laughs> you're going to be talking a little bit about fudge. And we just got off a cruise where I ate more desserts than I've ever eaten in a week <laughs> in my life. So it's a plethora. I'm coming plethora down. Of dessert. Yeah. I'm coming. And I'm not even supposed to eat sugar because of my Lyme disease, but I made an exception all week. And, um, well, yeah. I bet. Uh-huh. I don't come down off the sugar high there, Jill. Did Denise share any of the fudge I sent her no. to you, with you? Did you send her fudge? I did. Oh, I we, did. We I didn't sent her this recipe, and she didn't share it. Well, well, well. Would you like me to send some to you, just a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'll give you Tara's address, too. You can send. She has three kids. I'm sure they'll love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. No, because it's it's got whiskey in it. Oh, well, I, you'll I think, have to make it without the whiskey. <laughs> oh, I think the Tara's little one's been... teaching. I'm sure she'll be fine with it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, you know, if they're being obstreperous, give them a little of this fudge, and they get very yeah. quiet very quickly. <laughs> Hello, Tara. It's nice Hi. to meet you as well. I it's read nice all about you. you. Oh, <laughs> was that good? You still live in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we start, you know, the thing is we live eight miles from Texas. So we're, we're kind of New Mexico. <laughs> we're kind of Texas. Okay. You can be both. You can be both. We, and now you have we, three little boys. Uh, I have two little boys and a little girl. Oh, I'm glad you've got the little girl. That evens it all out. That's, That's wonderful. what everyone says. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The little girl's not old enough so to beat it, up on the boys yet, but that's coming. She yeah. will. Yeah. Just give her time. That's Just right. give her time. Yeah. She'll outwit them. That's for sure. <laughs> and it's funny <laughs> nice because to have a little cowgirl. It's funny you mentioned alcohol and food because I think we just talked about that this morning, didn't we? Tara, Tara's been known to do that, so um, oh. I, I don't think this is going to be the first time. <laughs> well, wow, quite, together. quite the introduction. <laughs> Here's Tara. She's been known to talk about alcohol and food. Right. <laughs> she is from Texas. Well, now I know we can be best friends. That's yes. for yeah, sure. that's right. yeah, you're going to come on to New Mexico, too. Great. All right. Where's this I'm recipe to... out of? Which book? Okay, this book, this recipe comes out of Cowgirls in the Kitchen, and it's Cowgirls Pendleton Whiskey Fudge. Oh, cool. Sounds good. Well, tell mm-hmm. us, what's the recipe? It is good. It is good. Okay, you're going to need a saucepan that's on a 9 by 9 inch square pan. Glass works best. You need like a wooden spoon, and that's about all. You're going to need, and I'll post this on my uh, Facebook page, The Cowgirl in the Kitchen. Um, You need 19 ounces of bittersweet chocolate, chopped or broken. That helps the chocolate to melt faster if it's in pieces. Mm-hmm. You can substitute a bar of semi-sweet chocolate if you like it a little bit sweeter or one bag, like a 12-ounce bag of semi-sweet chocolate chips plus four bars of bittersweet chocolate. You just want to get up to the 17, 18, 19 inch, um, ounces of chocolate. Okay, so then you you're can going mix to need and match one, a little bit? So to you, get the, you can mix yeah. and match, exactly. If bittersweet just really doesn't turn you on, because if you use all bittersweet, it is pretty dark, you know? Right. I like it to be a little bit sweeter. So I used the semi-sweet chocolate chips along with the uh, bittersweet chocolate. Then you're going to need one 14-ounce can of sweetened condensed milk, a third of a cup of Pendleton whiskey, 
Now, I know there's going to be some people out there who are going to say, well, I'm going to use Jack Daniels. (laughs) And you can do that if you want. But if you're a real cowgirl, you're going to use Pendleton whiskey. Is that true, Tara? I really like it. Does that make you a real cowgirl? It's kind of true. (laughs) I think so. Out here in the West, believe me. I even sent a little bottle of Pendleton uh, to Denise along with the fudge. So she could make it herself. <laughs> uh, then you're going now to need I know why business. we have her on every month. Yeah, now, wait a minute. See, Denise. Yeah, Denise is getting all the goodies, There's, and yeah, I see how this is working. Yeah, that, well, I, I had no idea. <laughs> okay, optional would be a half a cup of chopped walnuts or pecans, if you prefer pecans over walnuts. Oh, this Your is choice. the ultimate fight, isn't it, Jill? I love having walnuts in almost any dessert. I, I'll put walnuts on anything. So My I. mom used to put walnuts in the chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. But then yeah. there's the anti-walnut right. people who just hate when I you know. put walnuts in chocolate chip cookies or, or fudge I or know. anything. So, Tara, where do you come down? <laughs> right. Yes or no? I'm I'm a yes on everything except for Rice Krispies. Oh no! Well, I've never heard of ri- <laughs> no, walnuts and Rice Krispie no, treats. Well, usually they put pecans. Oh, my pecans. my family puts pecans in their Rice Krispies. Do you know so, the one I, I hated? That, that's, that's a new one on me. I hated, we'll trade we'll trade recipes. <laughs> there you go. I hated uh, Jennifer's mom at Christmas would make the stuffing with raisins, and I could not. Uh, I just couldn't do it. I can't do raisins oh, in the stuffing. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I would agree with you on that. Oh, no. <laughs> Jennifer loved raisins in the stuffing. It's like that. They don't belong there. Ooh. It's just not right. No, I agree. I agree. But okay. So moving on, <laughs> you can turn this into a sort of a rocky road chocolate fudge if you want, because you can tear up 25 marshmallows or a few less or a few more if you really dig the marshmallows, but just sort of rip them in half. You don't, you know, make them fairly big because you're going to melt down a little bit. So then you lightly grease the nine by nine inch square pan. And I think glass works best. Absolutely. Put the chopped chocolate and the condensed milk in your medium-sized saucepan and heat this, stirring over medium-low heat. Cook and stir until the chocolate is almost completely melted. The stirring really is important because you want to blend up that chocolate again so it becomes like a chocolatier's uh, chocolate, which is really smooth. You know, if you just sort of let it burble away all by itself, it doesn't really mix up again. So cook and stir until it's almost completely melted. Then you take it off the heat and add the whiskey. Then you stir again until this is very, very smooth. Add the nuts if you like a nutty fudge. Add the marshmallow pieces last so they don't just melt away. Spread this evenly into the prepared pan. Cover it with plastic wrap and refrigerate until firm. Lick the spoon in the pan. <laughs> Wait <laughs> Done. until it's Is that in the absolutely recipe? <laughs> firm. Yeah. That's, that's in the recipe. That's very important. That's the best part <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And when it's completely cooled and ready, then you cut it into squares. This will make about 16 squares. Now, this is the hard part. This fudge, and when you cut it, use a very hot knife so that it goes through smoothly and doesn't leave raggedy edges. This fudge really ought to be allowed to rest for one or two days. 
oh, wow. before you oh. eat it to mellow out. Yeah, that's never going to happen at Tara's whiskey. house. <laughs> <laughs> I think it must have been awfully good by the time it got to Denise because it would take two to three days to go through the mail. And you know, when you mail things now, you know how they ask you when you step up to the counter and you have this wrapped package and they look at you and they say, is there anything, you know, um, perishable? Look them straight in the face and say no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, what's going to happen to fudge? You know, nothing. But I think probably Denise's was really, really good because it was in the mail for two or three days and it really does mellow out. It's really amazing. If you eat it right away, it does have a certain amount of sharpness to it because it's, um, you know, fresh. That that whiskey is quite fresh in it. It's why it makes a great gift because you can make this ahead of time and it'll keep almost forever. If you keep it wrapped, you know, <laughs> tightly in saran wrap, it makes a wonderful gift. So I'm going to post this on my The Cowgirl in the Kitchen Facebook page and uh, I'll be curious to hear what other things maybe people will put in it. Maybe... Do you think they do raisins? Ooh. Yeah, that would be gross. No. No, that's, no. No. no, that doesn't go either. There's a, there's a place for raisins, and in fudge is not one of them. I no. couldn't agree with you more. You know, oatmeal cookies, raisins, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But no. And do you remember that salad that our mothers used to make with grated carrots? Yes. And raisins. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. That's, I grew that's up pretty eating tasty, that. though. I like that. I know it is. And it's an old, yeah. old fashioned. You know, people don't do that much anymore, but I still think it's awfully good. Mm-hmm. A good place for raisins again, but... I yeah. agree. <laughs> I agree. I have... And you were talking about wild rags. I think you should know that I have about 15. Oh, really? Because you have... Oh, yeah. And I can put you in touch with the most interesting woman who makes the best wild rags in the whole world. She's from Montana. Cindy Forbes. It's what she does. It's her business. She makes silk ones. Oh, they're absolutely beautiful. And she posts the pictures of the new silks that she's just gotten in. And, of course, I succumb every single time. They're just beautiful. Well, you know, in <laughs> 6,300 really nice. episodes over almost 10 years now, going on 10 years, we have never talked about wild rags. So, Denise, if you're listening, go ahead and, and uh, get her name and get her booked on, because we've never I had will. a conversation about wild rags. And yeah, and they they raise cattle in Montana. So believe me, this is this is a working ranch. She knows what she's doing, and she's just a charming person. Oh, that's and can funny. tell you all the different ways that they use wild rags, other than just you know to keep their neck warm in the winter time or something like that. And I have never heard ever of a mohair English cinch ever. I didn't never. either. That Thank was, you very much. Really? <laughs> that used to be the thing. Everybody had mohair. Really? For an for a hunt? Oh, for hunt? See, oh I, yeah. In, the mohair girth was preferred over the uh the leather girth for a long for many, many a long time, yeah. Well, you know, that I think you're right. Isn't didn't the old cavalry saddles have yep. the mohair and then that round yep. uh Holly, you know, I'd never put two and two together. Of course that would be true. And then all of a sudden it became very chic to have the beautifully padded, shaped, very expensive uh, English girth. Yeah, the leather ones. Isn't that fascinating? That's what I love about this program. You learn something every single time. That's right. You know, you <laughs> we think do you've too. seen it all, heard it all. You know exactly. what, though? Exactly, and I think that's... 
Lifelong learning. Tara, I have her book. By the way, you can get her book, Cowgirls in the Kitchen on Amazon, and uh, also we'll give out your website here. But I I noticed a trend. I have it here, and I was just flipping through it while you you were talking, and there is a trend I have noticed about alcohol in your recipes. So I'm just saying, (laughs) just saying, Jill, that there's a thing in this book. It gets gets cold up where Jill is. My, my secret is that, yeah, the, when, I first, when I first met Glenn and Denise, we had like four feet of snow for two and a half months. And it, the only thing that kept us going was having a little drink in the evening or perhaps some wine or something <laughs> like that. But I don't think there's that much alcohol in that book. Uh, I really don't. Uh, how about the Barrel Racer Cocktail? Uh, whiskey and powdered well, donuts. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's true. That's a whole lot of fun too. <laughs> but that you know, what do cowgirls do when they don't have anything else to do? They sit around and talk about horses, and you know, have a little drink. That's I mean, a- why? Because you're pretty sore, you know, after riding all day. <laughs> You know, no matter what you've been doing, it's a good way to, good way to relax. It's the grown-ups' way. We used to have to just have lemonade or Kool-Aid. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. And Tara, your kids are getting older now. You can start drinking again. You'll be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you almost yeah. have to as they get older. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing that will keep you sane. Yeah, and you have sure. boys. You'll be drinking twice as much. <laughs> yeah. I know it. I know it. I saw your husband, um, not in person, but I saw the film of him on the road to the horse in 2015 on Sailor. And I thought that was just the best, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen. He's really got a, a wonderful touch with horses. That's really important. Thank you. Thank you. So I was quite impressed. Hi, Tara. You're, you're, uh, you're breaking up on us a little. There's, there's a thing a Mac does. This is Tara's first time co-hosting. You have to actually unplug your mic from the Mac and plug it back in. Um, otherwise, we get all kinds of static after about an hour. It's just something mm-hmm. the Macs mm-hmm. do. They all do it every time we have to do this. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, so. Is that better? That's better. There you go. Okay. Uh, every hour on the hour, for some reason, you have to unplug it and plug it back in. It's just a Mac thing. I don't know why it okay. is. Somebody needs to write back about that, too, and tell them they need it to It happens every show. Lena has Macs. Every else. hour, we have to unplug. You know, usually in the recorded version, we can take it out. Uh-huh. But uh, this is live, so you mm-hmm, get what you get. Mm-hmm. What's your website mm-hmm. there, Jill? Mm-hmm. It's com. All my books are on there, and all you have to do is click on the covers. It'll take you directly to Amazon, and it'll be in your mailbox if you're a Prime member in about two days, which is really a cool thing. It is. For sure. I'm looking at Cowgirls in the Kitchen. It's only 10 bucks, so I, yeah, there's no I already put it in. I, I, I already put it in my cart already. There it's you go. to Clovis. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it. Let me know how you liked it. I, I will. would love to hear, okay? All right, thanks, Jill. Glenn, it's always nice to talk to you. Um, cut down on that sugar. Okay. Uh, we'll, I'll be sending off a little box to you. I still have your address. All right, sounds so good. I'll send off a little box because that was not fair. She was supposed to have shared a little bit. You know, and I'm, I'm looking uh-huh. here. She was chatting with me earlier in the show on Facebook, and now there's no chatting. Nothing, it's stopped. Nothing about it. Yeah. All of a sudden, mm, Denise has gotten right. really well, quiet. Yeah. Funny how that <laughs> she, works. She thought maybe her secret is out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll talk to you next month. All right, Tara, thanks, it was Jill. wonderful to talk to you. You Thank as well. Thank you, Glenn. All right, Bye-bye. Take care.
<laughs> That's funny. She's she's a delight. Well, we love having her on, and we love talking about food, and now I'm hungry again. <laughs> it is a problem when you get back from a cruise is you've eaten so much that you're used to eating all day, and then you're hungry all the time for the first couple days when you get back. Let's take a break for a song. I have one for you today. We're going to hear a uh, word from Horseware first, and then uh, you're going to hear, do you know Dan Roberts? Mm, I don't. Okay, yeah, he's from Texas, well-known down there, and we haven't played this one in a long time, and it's a funny song. It's called Everybody's Hocked a Saddle. So we're going to play a little (laughs) Dan Roberts, and we'll be back. We have another terrific guest coming up. We're going to be switching from cinches to saddles, and this is a friend of yours, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the natural horseman saddles. Is that something that you use? Do you use them? We do. Yeah, terrific. Well, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Everybody's hocked a saddle Most hands have sold a favorite pair of spurs It's part and parcel Of a cowboy's life It's just to test your nerve You're too broke to pay attention When you're riding through a rough string of luck But I still love my life Wouldn't trade it for a million bucks Cause I got an old hat that fits me just fine A pair of chinks that are worn out but custom made I get to see the horses shed in early spring And go to a jackpot roping if I get paid I've chased lions up on Big Bug Mountain And shot some horses down on the track I've smelled hay that'd take your breath away And hitchhiked from here to who knows where and back why, I've even entered a couple of indoor rodeos Slept under a teepee made from a wagon fly Me and an old Bronx swam the Willamette River one time And he was gentle when we come out the other side I set chokers on a high lead logging crew Way up on the Oregon coastal range I even bought one brand spanking new pickup truck Then had to survive for days on ashtray change Everybody's hocked a saddle Most hands have sold a favorite pair of spurs It's part and parcel Of a cowboy's life Just to test your nerve You're too broke to pay attention When you're riding through a rough string of luck But I still love my life Wouldn't trade it for a million bucks But there is one thing that really sticks in my craw I sold my first and only Bronx saddle like a fool It went from priceless to a couple hundred dollars Cause I needed to buy me some horseshoeing tools But you know, I just did what I had to do at the time I sold something I had to buy something I was needing And truth is, I was happy to have the money Whatever it took to keep my old pocketbook from bleeding But 200 bucks, what was I thinking? That's less the commission I'm here to tell you, whoever's got that saddle Could name their price if that boy of mine Could wear just a little basket stamp Off that old association 
Everybody's hocked a saddle Most hands have sold a favorite pair of spurs It's part and parcel Of a cowboy's life Just to test your nerve You're too broke to pay attention When you're riding through a rough string of luck But I still love my life Wouldn't trade it for a million bucks Oh, how I love my life Wouldn't trade it for a million bucks In the world of horse racing and elite equestrian sports, it's all about how to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe is a truly portable and highly efficient circulation therapy system for your horse. Before activity, prepare to prevent damage by using the Ice Vibe's vibration pads. Repair after the event by using the unique combination of cold packs and vibration to minimize swelling and encourage blood flow. And because it's battery powered, Ice Vibe is truly portable. The essential and affordable tool to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe. And you can find, uh, again, you can find Horseware on Facebook. Look them up there, too. They're always posting some cool stuff over there. Well, Tara, I wanted to ask you, and I saw this, We, um, you know, we were just talking about Saddle. By the way, isn't that song fun? I thought it'd be appropriate with your guest coming up today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. I liked it. I tried to look up all the lyrics. <laughs> and he has uh, he has a lot of fun songs like that. And, and most yeah. of them are about Texas. So speaking of which... Yeah. When you go to a thing like Road to the Horse, and we've had this conversation once or twice over the years, but I need to get a hat guy back on, because all the different styles of hats kind of determine where you come from. Is that is it more about where you come from? It is. Yeah. I, well, I feel like it is. Someone who's really into hats might be able to tell you differently, but if you walk around and you look at somebody wearing a hat, you can most likely tell where they got it from. And where the meaning what part of the country they live in, or if they got it from like a chain store, you know what I mean? Like sort of a on, off the shelf. Cause mine but all look fake. Yeah. <laughs> fake. Yeah. Mine are all the, the off the shelf cowboy hats. Well, yeah. there's, there's off the shelf cowboy hats and don't get me wrong. Cause I have some of those. So that I wouldn't say that that's fake, but like the ones that you get maybe at the convenience store, that might be <laughs> fake. Okay. We'll call those fake. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, because I have name brand cowboy hats, but they're not custom made cowboy hats. Yeah, so that's different. I wouldn't call that fake. And I okay. guess I wouldn't call the convenience store ones fake. It's just I might wear those to the lake more than I would wear those to actually compete yeah, because in. You don't or care if it. they fall in the water. So, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, the one you were wearing at uh, Road to the Horse, a very nice hat and obviously looks terrific on you. But is that was that a custom made hat? It was sort of a custom made hat. So okay. it was, it was, you know, you can buy them already shaped and made, which is like, you just pick your size and put it on, yeah. especially with straw hats. They do that more. But this one was, uh, that like it hadn't been shaped yet. So it wasn't complete. Like there's, there's a level where you buy it, where it's shaped and you just pick a size or you pick a size and then it's custom shaped or you get one where it's custom fit to your head and custom shaped. So those would be like the three levels is what I would say. And was yours indicative of a certain area? 
probably like somewhere between Texas and New Mexico. Okay, good, good. Well, that's good. Now, yeah. you're, now Trevor, your husband, uh, his is a little bit different. I was looking at the pictures this morning, and of course, I met Trevor, and we saw him at Road to the Horse. For those that didn't know, he was one of the competitors there one year, and and Tara was his uh, pen wrangler. But his ten, his is shaped where it comes out a little bit and then curves up. As after comes out a little bit, which is he, not something I've seen a lot of before. He seems, I, I kind of describe his style as somewhere between Texas and Nevada, because he has a real affinity for the Vaquero traditions, but yet he also is a Texas cowboy. So his hat, I don't, he might tell you differently, but his hat, that's what I think of it as, sort of a blend of kind of the Nevada buckaroo, Vaquero, and Texas cowboy. So it's a mutt. Well, I don't know that I would say that. <laughs> it's a cross. <laughs> yeah. There you it's go. a blend. It's a blend. Okay, good. <laughs> I like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just unusual. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of them out there. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go to your next guest. Let's go from talking about cinches and cowboy hats and whiskey fudge to talking about saddles. Well, it's actually a kind of a fun intro is Letitia actually used to own a hat company, but uh, Letitia, Letitia Glenn of, of Natural Horseman Saddles is, I, I thought we'll just bring her on and ask her what she does and have you tell her about what she does. But uh, she, from the reason I wanted to bring her on today is because she actually does English and Western saddles, but it's really about the foundation and what's inside the saddle. So I thought this would kind of be a nice sort of medium to talk about, so... Hi, Letitia. How do you do, Glenn? It's good to meet you. Thank you so and much Tara, for, good for, morning. for joining us today. <laughs> we appreciate it. I got to get, before we talk saddles, we were just talking hats. So you used to own a hat company? Uh, yes, we did. We, we actually, uh, when we met Tara and Trevor, we owned the finest um, hat company in the world and that we made the very finest beaver fur felt hats you can make. And we did carry some straw hats as well, but... Fur felt was our specialty. I think some of our English listeners <clears throat> who write English would be shocked at the price of some of those custom hats. <laughs> they would, well, be... <laughs> if any of them stood by the shoulders of the various hat makers along the um, production line, they'd understand why they cost so much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just, you know, w when you're used to buying helmets for, you know, even top-end helmets will run you four or five hundred bucks, and then you see the hats, and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know they ran that much. You know, we're just not used to it. Um, oh, But, but yes. they are works of art. I mean, that is the thing about them. They truly are, and it's hard to make one that, that performs as a helmet that still looks like a work of art. We did try and gave up. You know, there are some coming out now that are getting better. Back when we were in the tack business in the 90s, they made those, but it looked like you were Elmer Fudd. I mean, it pretty much looked like you had a cartoon yeah. hat on your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, we know. A thumbtack. You look like a thumbtack. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that Leticia, like you you've already, can already tell, she already talked about the quality, and she said something that I think that they've started to take to their saddles. And so, Leticia, can you just tell us a little bit about Natural Horseman Saddles and what makes you guys different? Well, thank you, Tara. Um, what, what makes us different surprises us, actually, because when we took an interest back around the year 2000 in um, observing horses and when we could see they were able to travel efficiently and were hap happy doing so carrying a rider, um, we began to notice the, the subtle and not-so-subtle nuances of when they weren't and how it, it 
it could actually transgress into a physical breakdown and a mental and an emotional breakdown with a horse that is an animal capable of feeling a fly on a hair in a windstorm forced to carry a piece of equipment that pinches them and restricts their natural movement. And we got fascinated with that concept. And we went looking for saddles that did not do that, uh, that didn't restrict natural movement. And it carried the rider in a balanced position and promoted a harmonious way of going for both horse and rider. And um, we were grateful to have a large audience of people with a significant variety of breeds and riders of uh, different disciplines and level of ability to test um, these saddles. And we couldn't find them that really made horses happy. We got really um, nitsy about looking for the signs of happy travel and healthy travel. And we began to build saddle prototypes. Hmm? Pardon me. Sorry, like what are some of the things that you notice or that you guys, when you're looking for, that you say, oh, that, that horse is happy or not happy when they're, when they're traveling? Well, um, everything from facial expression, of course, will tell you, but you can, first of all, you can look at a naked horse and um, tell what he can and cannot use in his body when ridden. You see primary evidence along the top line, which um, things like caved in hollows behind the shoulder blade and really angular slope off the um, the withers and along the spine and an angular rump um, cascading sharply from the hip rather than a nice round um, hindquarter. And as they travel, if they can't get their, if they cannot use their shoulders efficiently um, back underneath the front of the saddle, they won't be able to bring their hindquarters and legs under and forward they will carry themselves heavy on the forehand. You'll, you'll, you'll hear pounding of the front feet rather than light travel on the front feet. You'll see jarring, um, just jarring way of going and head carried high, back usually a little sunken, hindquarters strung out behind, um, things like that. Did I cover enough to give you a picture? You did. So when you see when you see those things in a horse's top line, is that do you come in and, and measure them and make a custom saddle or do you do something differently? Well, that's what we initially thought was important to do was to fit the individual horse in motion. And as we began to build prototypes on that model, which was the model on which most saddles are made, measure a horse, fit the slope of the shoulder and the angle of the back and the, and the downward curve of that top line um, and build a saddle oriented to that. Well, when you do that, when the horse um, begins to lift and totally change its shape as it, from the moment it takes its first step, it, it swells up a little. It comes upward, it goes outward. Um, the muscles need to bulge and pull the scapula, shoulder blade back in stride. The back needs to lift. That downward slope of the top line should go away. And if you don't build a saddle that's um, capable of welcoming that new shape, you're not going to have a horse that's able to travel naturally. When you watch a horse go around naked, you would want the saddle to um, accommodate that. So how do you guys to fit. Com- oh, sorry. 
Mm-hmm. So how do you guys accommodate, accommodate? that? Mm-hmm. So, so what did well, you do? <laughs> we built many, many, <laughs> we built many prototypes and kept uh, going broad, essentially broader and flatter and, you know, less of the downward curve model and more of a welcoming the, the flatter, broader, more U shape of a horse's body rather than the V shape of a standing horse's body. Most saddles are built in like an upside down V. Ours are built more like an upside-down U, and we evolved to that shape after essentially eight serious prototypes over a course of about three years, where we just kept testing until we could see everything, including a bright, soft, brown-eyed, happy expression on a horse and an efficient biomechanics, no soreness afterward, gradual muscle development over a really relatively short period of time um, underneath our saddles compared to restrictive saddles so it's hard to describe it precisely tara and thanks for asking but um i guess the best way to say is um it's a subtle changes uh, change of attitude and angles of the saddles bars they're called or it's the the internal skeleton or the tree of, of the saddle is just built to welcome the moving horse and more of an upside down u compared to sitting the standing horse. Does that make sense? It does. When I, when I first learned a little bit about <clears throat> what Leticia and them do with their saddles is it was like what you're saying, where you measure the horse. The, the part that made the most sense to me is that we can measure a horse at a standstill, but then how do you accommodate mm-hmm. the horse once they're in motion? But you guys do something else special with your trees. Just more than just shaping it so it welcomes a horse in motion. What else is it that you guys, can you describe that a bit more? Well, um, yes, um, the shape is the most important thing. And the first thing we did is build it out of wood, fiberglass covered wood, which is traditional in the Western saddle business. And um, then we met, thanks to their um, hearing about what we did, some German saddle makers who came to the United States to meet with us and say, you know, what you're doing in terms of shape to welcome the bio, the efficient biomechanics of a horse makes sense. But if you could make the bars of the saddle and the ground seat um, flexible a little bit, but not so flexible that it caves in with the rider's weight, but that it moves with the horse's motion um, with the, the fork, the front end of the Um, saddle and the cantle which is the back end of the saddle still made out of wood so it's rigid enough to hold the flexible part then you'd have a great combination and we said well we've heard about flexible trees but we've tested them with our vast audience and there are a number of, of flaws in that concept and they said well let us let us take your shape and make something and uh and you test it well it took three tries but we finally got this flexible part of the saddle that um, was rigid enough to support the rider's weight, but just flexible enough to give you that extra dimension. And um, your husband, Trevor, tested one of our saddles kind of by accident one day. I, I uh, had left my <laughs> saddle. Uh, um, <laughs> do you remember this, Tara? I left I my do. saddle on the fence out at uh, Atwood Ranch for someone to borrow. And the next morning it uh, came into the arena and Trevor had been um, up at Outward Ranch training horses for a period of time in his very specialized 
incapable way. And he looked at me as I came in the arena and he said, teacher, I have to tell you, I saw your saddle on the fence and I just borrowed it for a minute and put it on my horse. With <laughs> Don't leave your tack around. Chase. He'll try. <laughs> yeah. he, said, he said, I just have to tell you, either my horse has had a dramatic um, upgrade in his training or there's something magical in that saddle. He said, I, I, he, I couldn't believe what I noticed when I rode that saddle on this horse that I know so well. So that is typical of the reactions we're grateful to hear after all this work. We've been at this um, almost a couple of decades now, and we probably have about 10,000 people riding our horses, and we did evolve to develop English saddles as well, though their trees aren't exactly the same construction. But um, it gives you a dimension that you can feel in the animal underneath you that is so pleasurable and so connected and of course, so freeing for your horse. I feel like um, one of the things that's hard for like when it comes to saddles, a lot of times people say, well, I just, I want what the best saddle is for my horse. And, and so that's, mm-hmm. you know, one side of the, this, whatever the conversation is, well, just whatever is the best saddle for my horse. And then there's the other side of the conversation that says, well, I just need a saddle that fits me good and that I can be in the right position. And, and then there's this other part somewhere in between that the more performance that, <clears throat> excuse me, the more performance that you get into, the more you want to be closer to the horse. Like people say, I want to be closer to the horse, but th- so they don't want to mm-hmm. have to feel like they're sitting so far away. And I think that's one of the things that I've heard people who ride in in these saddles say that they can feel, even though the tree is not super flexible, it is more flexible to a degree. And so the more you're able to feel your horse and notice the subtle changes, the more you can appreciate what that that tree has to offer. That's right. And the the traditional bars of of a Western saddle are actually fairly thick. The wood has to be thick to be substantive. This compound that we use, we can actually give you a very thin, close connection to the horse in addition to the flexibility because the tensile strength of that material is so much more effective than wood. You don't have to have it so thick. Um, Very often, no matter how... hmm? Would you rope out of these saddles? Um, Our roping saddles, we, we use the same tree. And and we build more reinforcing leather layers of skived leather, angled leather that reinforce and strengthen um, the saddle. Not because the substance isn't strong enough, but you wouldn't want your roping saddle to be too flexible because it, it would kind of torque in the middle when the horse is straining against it, um, holding a heavy animal. So we have to reinforce them. That being said, if you're going to rope with someone like if, if Trevor's at, um, at a, in a branding situation or something and, and roping many very, very heavy animals for long hours every day, we would recommend that he ride our shape in a wooden tree, something more rigid for the sake of his horse so that you didn't get that bend in the middle. If he's roping five, 600 pound animals several times a day regularly, that's fine. And we have many people roping in our saddles. But if if Martin Black were going to really use it as a heavy-duty working saddle, we would make one out of wood. Well, Tisha, you're 
you're, you entered into a very crowded market, right? I mean, there's a few Western saddles in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, how, mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're always thinking about how do I market these? How do I get the word out? Also, because they are a little different than what, what is traditionally out there, that's a challenge in itself anytime you do that. What mm-hmm. has been the number mm-hmm. one factor that has made them so popular? Obviously, word of mouth, but if there's one thing that you can yeah. pinpoint uh, that people are saying, this saddle does this that my other didn't, what's that one thing? Um, the one thing is they, um, word of mouth, of course, is exactly right, right. Glenn. Well, that's if, the only if, way you get uh, some someone has the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, 95% of the people who would ever take a test ride in our saddle, particularly if they have some instruction about how to best utilize it, um, that person will buy one of our saddles. The person who is curious enough to notice their what their horse is communicating, to notice when their horse is traveling happily, feeling more comfortable, um, the the horse's way of going will be lighter, softer, more rhythmic, and and should be something that a sensitive rider can feel just on that score. They should be able to tell from the moment the horse walks off that that horse is able to travel more efficiently and more rhythmically, more naturally, more comfortably. And um, the rider who notices it We'll buy our saddle. Well, that's that's a testament. Does that right? make yeah. sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, and it's a testament to the saddle, right, and how it's made. And and Coach Jen, by the way, it just is. chiped in and said she'll test ride the English one for you anytime and do a review. Should be happy. All righty, does she enter? <laughs> so. to, I'd be happy to send one to her to do that. <laughs> well, the, this is yeah. This, this has been fun. It is naturalhorsemansaddles.com. Naturalhorsemansaddles.com right. is where you can find all of them. I've been looking through here as you were talking. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of have some hybrid saddles in there, too. Uh, you, you have the Custom Hybrid Cruiser, which is kind of an English style, almost English, Australian, kind of has that look to it. Um, so I'm just encouraging mm-hmm. people to hop on over because they, you know, you do have some different ones that you don't normally see as well uh, in there to check them out. Uh, uh, um, we do highly recommend taking a test ride because we always say your horse will tell you. And um, for some people, that's quite a bit of a learning curve too. If, um, if you suddenly have a very comfortable rhythmic athlete underneath you, you've got more horse to ride. And so there are <laughs> some people <laughs> who might be new to riding um, who are surprised by that. They had not, they had no idea how restricted their horse has been. Whether Even if it's on a simple trail ride, a horse that is restricted will often travel with shorter, more rigid steps, and not want to go very fast. Then there are horses who are uncomfortable, who will want to scoot out from under you in an uncomfortable saddle, and you have a behavioral issue that you're dealing with that you may not have any idea is saddle-related. So if somebody, very often saddle-related. If somebody wanted to test ride one of the saddles, what was how would they go about doing that? They can jump on our website, and we have a test ride button in there somewhere. <laughs> 
course, websites are always under construction, right? So I want to take a look before I shoot my mouth off. But um, I hope our test ride function is working properly. If not, contact us by email or phone. And um, one of our wonderful people will be in touch and, and hold hold the customer's hand through the process. We, the test ride process, if we're going to ship the saddle to you, costs $150 for the round trip and, and about five days of riding. And we fully coach you. We ask you to send pictures of your individual horse. We tell you the specific pictures we need, and we can tell you exactly how to set your saddle up for success. And um, we'll take care of you through the process. Yeah. You can find it under the it's saddle okay. fit and then take a test ride on the website. So it's right. under that, that menu option. If, right. Right. Okay. And if you don't have the patience to do that, just shoot us an email saddles at naturalhorsemansaddles.com or give us a phone call. And if we don't answer immediately, we'll get back to you, but we'll make sure you feel well individually cared for and uh, that you and your horse have the best opportunity to enjoy one of these saddles and the experience of enjoying each other. You want to know your horse is enjoying the journey with you. Yeah. <laughs> and most people have to learn how to really know that. Well, thank you, Leticia, very much for telling us about your saddles and, and joining us today. Tara, I thank you very much for your interest and curiosity about this process. And Trevor, too, we very much respect your opinion and that of your horses. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, thank you, <laughs> Tisha. Glenn. All right. Uh, now, you guys, I have we 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 have to do something because it is your rookie performance. Actually, it's not your rookie performance. Yeah. You've done eight hours live. Uh, probably, know. you know, we, a different kind of rookie. Yeah, yeah, you know, when we throw people in the deep end, it's I call Tara up and I say, "Hey, I got to do Road to the Horse this year, and I don't have a co-host. How'd you like to come co-host one of the hardest events we do every year?" <laughs> <laughs> We have to describe a obstacle course on the radio, but you did terrific. The numbers were excellent, and everybody loved you. So, so that's right. why you're back, and we're glad to have you. But I have a quiz for you and Jennifer. Is Jennifer there? I have a quiz for both of you. I am here. All right, good. So this is a quiz. Now, no cheating, no googling there, Tara. Uh, <laughs> I won't. I all promise. right. So <laughs> I want you guys to name all of the individual Western riding disciplines. See how many you can come up with. And by the way, the list is a lot longer than I thought. Uh, okay. Ranch horse versatility. <laughs> yep. Ranch horse. Yeah. Rain, rain cow horse. Yep. Cowboy dressage. Yep. Raining. Yep. Cutting. Yep. Western dressage, which is different. That's true. It is different. Barrel racing. Barrel racing's on there. That's correct. Hey, you took mine. It's the only oh, one she well, knew. Oh, no, jump in, jump in. <laughs> it's the only one she knew. It's <laughs> the only one I had. <laughs> Team roping. Team roping, got it. Pole bending. Pole bending. I thought, see, that's one I didn't think you'd get. I thought you'd forget about pole bending. Oh. Calf roping. Yeah. Yeah. Are you counting like saddle broncs and We're not bareback? going into real rodeo You're not here. going into rodeo? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Western riding, ranch riding. At Western, what kind of Western? Be more specific. Specific. No, no. There's, a, there's an actual class called Western riding. Oh, there is. It's on my list. Yep. Okay. Uh, got it. Oh. Horsemanship. Yep. Um. 
God. Trail. You're nailing this. Yep, Western Trail. There's like six more left. Oh, really? Uh, oh, Mountain Shooting. That wasn't on the list, but I, but it should be. <laughs> it should be on yeah. the list. You're right. Um, should be on the list, yeah. yeah. Hmm. You forgot the one. <laughs> you forgot the one <laughs> that would bore you to death. Halter class. Western, yep. Yeah. Halter Western Pleasure, yeah. Halter Horses and oh, Western, Western pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, you yeah. just got both of those. That's correct. <laughs> and then there's Showmanship at Halter, which we'll just count in that yeah. category of boring. Um, That's a little harder than confirmation. What do they do? You like they're, You're judged on how well you present your horse. You have to stand in the right place and do the right thing. And it's still a beauty actually, contest, right? Not necessarily. Okay. Like your horse, it's kind of like horsemanship on the ground. By the way, if if I'm making anybody mad that's listening to this today, send your complaints to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. <laughs> she handles all complaints. Um, you got four more. And you should know one of these. You do it. Western equitation. Did we do equitation? Yes. Yeah. There's there. Oh, roping. But that's yep, roping. roping. That's ranch right. Roping. Oh, ranch sorting, ranch sorting. I forgot about those. I've done yep. those. Um. Branding, but that's not really a sport. No. I mean, well, it's becoming more of you missed they're having one, more range camp roping. Drafting, stuff. Camp drafting counts, does camp, it? Right? Uh, it's not on camp my drafting list. Oh, no. well, it's Western, it's like, but it's just it's like a cow hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna uh, kick yourself. You missed one that uh, that you do. Well, I said. Well, I didn't go into all the so. There's raining, ranch riding, cow work. Rain cow, cow horse. horse. That's right. You got one of them. Hmm. Team Penning. Yes, Jennifer. Oh, yeah. Good job. <laughs> one left. Earlier. Oh. Is it one we do? Every day. <laughs> no. Like cold starting? Jennifer does it every day, too. Training? They put trail riding on the every list. Day. Oh, I thought I said, oh. Tra- oh, but trail riding. Yeah, just trail oh, riding. Of course, of course. <laughs> it's like the number one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, like The number one discipline is trail riding, and number two is dressage. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I may have swapped them, but I think that's... No, trail like riding number... is number one. I think they said 80% yeah. of uh, horse, pe- horse people, people who own horses ride trails. I mean, trail ride. Uh, and then you could even differentiate, like... Trail riding, mountain riding. I mean, there's definitely Packing. different degrees. Yeah. yeah, there's like, well, that's another thing. Extreme cowboy races. That's not on there, but oh, that's sort yeah. of its own. Oh, yeah. That should have been on there, too. Which yeah, other ones? cowboy, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is an official list. We need to send them an update. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you did well. Very well. Well done. Now, tell us what you guys do and what you offer at the farm that if people wanted to get your help with something in New Mexico, uh, and do you do, do do you or Trevor or both go out to do clinics? How does that all work? Well, when we first started, Trevor and I both uh, went out to teach clinics together, but now it's primarily Trevor. So we, we're we here probably 80% of the time. You know, people send in their horses for training and so Trevor does anywhere anything from starting horses just for the, so they get a you know good foundation for the beginning of their career and then takes others all the way on to performance especially in ranch horse versatility and cow horse 
And then as he's doing that, then people come here to ride their horses and learn from Trevor. Like we have 12 people here this week that are all learning how to rope and participate in the branding pin. So in the, in the branding pin, it's kind of, you know, it's a serious place and it's, you know, it can, a lot of things can happen in a heartbeat and it can get kind of dangerous just because ropes and horses and live animals and so, uh, and fires. (laughs) So we uh, have everybody here this week. They came down for a specific, specific event to learn how to, to rope and participate safely in a branding pin. And then we'll brand all of our cattle this weekend. So there's things like that going on all the time. So different, you know, themed type type weeks, or you're just coming down to spend more time riding with us. And then every so often Trevor hits the road and goes and basically takes that learning opportunity to you. And then, and then we also help people via video lessons and video coaching. We basically customize your learning so that you can continue until he sees you on the road or at our place. So that's sort of the gamut of it. Train you and train your horse and train you together. Sounds good. Now, when people come and spend time like a week with you guys, do they stay in a hotel in town? How's all that work? Uh, We have some casitas on site that you can rent or we have, you know, RV hookups. And then, of course, there's, you know, hotels in town, too. So I've never stayed in a casita. Is that like a little ranch house? Yeah, it's like when you think of bunk, like bunkhouse. Yeah. Usually bunkhouse refers to like basic digs and, you know, there's 12 of you going to stay in one bunkhouse, but these are, these are a little more posh than that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear. How many acres do you guys have? Uh, that's technically not a very appropriate term to ask, Glenn. Oh, it isn't? No. I didn't know. But see, in the English world, we always ask, like, we have 11 and our acreage is a lot less usually than, uh, than Uh, so we we lease a couple thousand acres, and then right here on our training facility is 150 acres. Whoa. So, yeah. See, things are a little different <clears throat> in, in the West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tara. We appreciate you joining us. It's carterranchhorse.com is where you can find all of the information. And we look forward to having you with us the fourth Tuesday of every month. Okay. We're looking forward to it also. Thank you. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we'll be back tomorrow. Jamie will be back and we'll be talking a little bit about our show over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about the cruise and how, and we have a bunch of guests lined up, I know, for tomorrow as well. Uh, and we're back to normal. We, I don't know that we have much travel planned for, for June, so the show should be going on as scheduled. For new listeners, we welcome you. I know we've, we probably picked up a few new listeners after the interview, the Heartland interview we did with Amber Marshall. I know there was a lot, I think that's going to be our number one episode for the year. There was a ton of downloads to that episode, so we welcome you. Horses in the Morning is here five days a week. You just caught us last week. Uh, We were on vacation and had a few shows we put up for you, but uh, we're here live Monday through Friday, 9 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can listen live at horsesinthemorning.com or on our app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network, and you'll find uh, find a live button on our app. Most people listen to the 
recorded version, you can do that at horsesinthemorning.com on our app or any podcast player. I know you said Trevor's a big podcast listener, um, and I'm sure he has a player that he uses on his phone to listen to all his podcasts. Everybody kind of has their favorite. I use one called Pocket Casts, and there's, there's a ton of them out there. You'll find our show on all of them and all the shows from the Horse Radio Network on all the different players. But if you want it easy and you want it simple, just go to the Horse Radio Network app. You can listen there. It's simple and easy, and it's one of the best ways to do it. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jennifer.